So today we are at a place that I've never been before. And neither have I. No. What is it? The Jewish Museum. Exactly. Manchester Jewish Museum. And um, we're here to make a podcast and we're partially here because Manchester Jewish Museum has been involved with uh, the Narratives Project with Venture Arts. Really? That's right. So the exhibition that we saw last week yeah. at the Lowry yeah. was in part supported by the Jewish Museum. Really? And Laura Nathan has been working here. Wow. So hopefully, um, yeah, we'll get to enjoy everything on display. Yes. And learn a little something. Yeah. So, shall we? Okay. Stairs or lift? Uh, lift. Perfect. So that's through the glass doors. Okay. History of Jewish people. Yeah. Do you know anything? I don't know, don't know much about Jewish stuff. Okay. Well, um, a synagogue is their church, and um, that's where we will be looking at after we look at the gallery. Yeah. And um, hopefully, we'll learn something. Yeah. We'll start here. Journeys. Journeys. Okay. There have been Jewish Mancunians since the 1780s. Jewish people have made journeys to Manchester from all over the world. They travelled to and sometimes beyond Manchester to explore opportunities or to escape hardships, hoping to create a better life for themselves and their families. The physical and emotional journeys taken by these people shaped the identities of the communities they created and their impact on Manchester. Wow. Mm. From the 1740s, Jewish migrants saw Manchester as a place of economic opportunity. Manchester's woolen, lining and cotton industries were growing as was its population which grew from 15,000 in 1740 to and. 10,000 in 1800. Wow. Yes, by the 1780s, a community of Jewish salesmen and shopkeepers had settled and established businesses here. Over the 19th and 20th centuries, this group was joined by foreign merchants, traders, and workers who saw Manchester's industries and the population who supported them as a promising market. By 1905, Manchester was truly a diverse city. Fantastic. That's interesting. So, uh, I guess here are some um, bits and bobs. <laughs> Not really sure what this display is. Different labels and packaging. And it's a really big book. A really big book. I think that's Hebrew in there. That's um, the language in the Torah. Yeah. Mordocchio's portrait. It's him on a horse, isn't it? Yeah. 
So from 1933, over 8,000 German, Austrian, Czech and Polish refugees escaped Nazi persecution and arrived in Manchester. Since then, smaller numbers of people have made journeys from countries including Syria, Iran, Iraq and Hungary, also seeking new opportunities and refuge. And here we have some objects from, I guess, Jewish life throughout history. Yeah. A little mat and a coat hanger. And I believe this, this might be a Torah, which is like a Jewish version of a Bible. Yes, and there's a big pot. A big pot. Yeah. Well, it's, technically it's not that big. No, it's, it's sort of like an average cooking pot, isn't it? Yeah. Teddy bear. Yeah. A long nose. With a long nose. That's number... Eight. Number eight. Leo's teddy. This teddy bear was brought to Manchester with Leo Marcus. The teddy had once belonged to his son, who hadn't survived the Holocaust. Leo settled in Manchester and gave this bear to his neighbours for their children to play with. Oh, looks like Winnie the Pooh. Yeah. Oh, sad. Abraham's Ark. This ornate cupboard is a portable ark. Really? The last person to use the ark was Abraham Dwyn Kirk. Abraham was born in London in 1907, but his family had originally come from Amsterdam in the early 19th century. And Amsterdam is in Dutch, isn't it? It's in the Netherlands and they speak Dutch and their nationality is Dutch. Okay. Many Dutch migrants, like the Dwyn Kirks, were in the tobacco trade. The family used the container to store their religious items, such as prayer books and tethelin. The Ark travelled with the family when they came to settle in Manchester. So this is a portable cupboard? Exactly, for their sort of sacred belongings. Wow. Mm, it's beautiful. One hundred and fifty years looking after our community. Mm, that's a book, isn't it? Yes, it's a, yes, it's also a dictionary. Dictionary book, yeah. Oh, I think I saw a church sign. Yes. That will be the synagogue. Is that, is that it? That's it, yeah. So it's no longer for worship. So people don't come here to worship, but it has been preserved. Right, okay. Yeah, oh wow. One look. Welcome to the former Spanish and Portuguese synagogue. This balcony was once the ladies' gallery where 95 women sat during service. Men sat downstairs. The women were obscured from their view by the decorative metal railing. The separation of men and women during services is a requirement in an orthodox synagogue. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Merida, this is the actual inside of the church? Yes. It was built in 1874. Huh? Oh, yeah. So if we were two Jewish people coming to pray here, yeah. you would sit downstairs and I would stay upstairs. Okay. Because uh, women aren't allowed downstairs. Oh, okay. Shall we look downstairs? It's very beautiful. Yes. What can you see? A, a 
desk where the vicar usually is. But in a synagogue, a vicar is called a rabbi. A rabbi? Yeah. Is that Jewish for vicar? It is. Ah, I've got something, I've got something correct. Uh, women are allowed to sit downstairs now, aren't they? Uh, in some synagogues they are, but still in some orthodox synagogues, I think they still have to stay up there. Oh, it's orthodox. Yeah, it's orthodox, which means it's um, traditional. Right. Shall we look downstairs? Yes. So look, we can even go and stand up by where the rabbi stands. Yeah. What does that say? This platform is where the rabbi, a Jewish priest, stands to give a sermon or read a portion from the Torah. In some synagogues, it is called a by Ma. Hmm. So this this says it's called a Tabor, and Ta sometimes it's called a Bima or Baima. So a rabbi is also a priest. A rabbi, yeah. So a vicar is a priest, yeah. and a rabbi is a priest. It's the name of the religious leader of that okay. church, all of that community. Okay. So yeah, this is where the rabbi would stand and give a sermon. Okay. And up there, do you see that stained glass window? Yes, and they're everywhere. There are everywhere, yeah. Are there any things that you can specifically see on them? Uh, yeah, the big one is a candle in the middle. Yeah, that's actually a special candlestick called a menorah. A menorah. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's a sort of religious icon. And do you see... Um, the purple star that is at the top of a lot of these windows as well. Yeah. Yeah, so that is called the Star of David. The Star of David. And that's another Jewish symbol. Wow. There's... These stained windows downstairs have got different objects in the middle, top. You're right. So I can see one with the Star of David, but there's a harp on that one, isn't there? Yeah. And then what other things can you see on the stained glass windows? Crown. Mm -hmm. What is that, do you think? I don't know. It looks like a bowl of, of eggs. Maybe a bowl of eggs. Uh, what about that one at the end? That's like a light covered with grapes. Yes. Yeah. I see grapes as well. Yeah. What do you think? Very old fashioned. Isn't it? Yes. Yeah, it's very well preserved. Yes. Do you want to um, walk around? Yeah. We can go and look at this thingy. Those cloth things, you mean? The cloth things, yeah. I want to know what that's about. Aha, okay. Torah. The most sacred object in the synagogue. 
The Torah scrolls are written in Hebrew. You cannot touch the Torah with your hands out of respect and to avoid damaging the Torah. We already know what that kind of ark is. Exactly. It's a cupboard that is used to keep Torah scrolls safe when they are not being used. Usually the doors kept shut, but the museum's ark doors are open so that people can see the Torah scrolls. I, I thought there are portable cupboards. Yes, well, that one upstairs was a portable one. Right. But I think generally they are not portable. Okie dokie. Um, eternal light. The Nertamid means eternal light in Hebrew. This is a light that is always lit to show God is always there. Okay. Look up and see it hanging in front of the Ten Commandments on the ark. Oh, that's that. That? Yeah, that dangling lamp. Okay. Those are the Ten Commandments there. Yeah. Again, written in Hebrew. Yeah. That's the Nertamid. Mm-hmm. Um, this big thing is the ark. Okay. And these things in here, inside the ark, are the Torah scrolls. Oh yes, they're cloughing scrolls. Exactly. So when they're taken out, you see these two handles. They're pulled apart and the scroll is un unveiled. I know what a scroll is. Mm. And you're not allowed to touch them. Okay. So, pretty interesting, huh? Yeah. Oh, look, deliberate mistake. What? Look along the golden railings in front of the ladies' gallery. Can you see an asymmetrical bit that doesn't look the same as the rest? Why do you think that lots of synagogues have a deliberate mistake? What does it symbolise about God? Ah, okay, so we're meant to see on the railings that looks a bit like a mistake. The sword? Yeah, there's like that middle bit and it just doesn't look like the rest of it, does it? Oh. So I think that's meant to symbolise uh, the deliberate mistake. I see. Interesting. Okay, so interesting. So if we go back in there, we've got the cafe and the shop and the exit. Yes. Are you ready? Yeah. Wonderful. Piano. I know. Hmm. All right, Justin, so shall we finish our podcast here? Yes. Excellent. What did you think of the Jewish Museum? It's very interesting. I agree. Yeah.